This Week in Wealth is powered by Alpha Wealth Group. If you're serious about retirement and have saved $250,000 or more, call Alpha Wealth Group's Tom Fortino now, 630-934-1855 or alphawealthgroup.com. Alpha Wealth Group, retirement made simple. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Kling, WGN talk show host, a financial journalist, and CEO of Best Money Moves, my financial wellness technology company. And I'm Tom Fortino, the principal and founder of the Alpha Wealth Group right here in the Chicagoland area. So we're so excited that you're with us today. If you've got a question you want to ask, uh, give us a call, 630-934-1855, or go to alphawealthgroup.com. And while you're there, you can take advantage of all the cool free information Tom's got up on the site, including your free retirement planning packet, which has information about income planning, estate planning, asset planning, investment planning, and tax planning. So Tom can help you with all of that, 630-934-1855. All right, so digging in, Tom, there's been a ton of concern about how people work, and mm-hmm. there's numerous studies about how men and women approach work, and it's it's interesting, it's different, um, and I don't mean to offend anybody out there about, you know, sort of gender issues, but this is just how studies are done, uh, some studies are done. So there was a new study that was done by Transamerica that showed that most American employees expect to work after reaching retirement age. And the situation is especially tenuous for women. Two in five said they plan to work till at least their age 70, mostly because of financial reasons. And I wanted to unpack that a little bit because, Mm -hmm. first of all, what is, when they say retirement age, do they mean like your full retirement age, which would be 67? You know, now we're pushing mm-hmm. retirement age back. I, my mother retired at age 80. Um, what? So maybe first let's address that. Mm-hmm. I mean, in your opinion, for your clients, what's the typical retirement age you're seeing? Well, it's 60, you know, right in that area of 65, 66, maybe 67. So it's all in that range where people decide to retire. And so, and it's becoming less and less common where, you know, we're seeing people work more and longer. I think over age 65 is the largest number of people today that are working over those ages. And really it comes back to, I think it's, you know, when I pose the question and we talk about, we test someone's plan and we take a look about trying to determine when can you retire with a very high probability of success. You know, it doesn't mean, I always say it just means you have independence, financial independence. It doesn't mean you won't continue to work. So it's retirement has taken on a different, you know, when you take a look at it, maybe we look at it a little differently today, a different perspective, especially with longevity. I mean, you know the numbers, Elise. A male age 65, lived to 84.3. These are from the Social Security Administration. Of age 66, so a female, age, I'm sorry, a female age 65 would live, live till 867 so these are things we have to deal with. You can be in retirement two, three decades. And so... Um, that's a crazy... Wanna... I just got to tell you, Tom, that's like the whole idea of just being retired for three decades. <laughs> I, I, there's well, just that goes not back enough shuffleboard, we right? talked about, right? <laughs> you got to fill your time with something. But that's part of the plan, right? What are you going to do? Well, so the Bureau of Labor Statistics said in 2020, which is the last time they asked the question, 10.6 million people 65 and older were still in the workforce. And 26%, a little bit over that, of people aged 65 to 74 were working. And it was almost 9% for people aged 75 and over. 
Mm-hmm. And that number is expected to grow dramatically. Um, mm-hmm. Last year, in a different survey, from uh, Forbes published this, nearly a, a fifth, about 18% of people said they were going to work well past the age of 70, um, mm-hmm. which is up from 8% in 2019. And so I'm wondering if you're just seeing, as you, you know, your clients are coming through the door, you know, is this just really driven by finance? And is that especially true for women? Well, you know, there's two things here that you mentioned. One is working later in life. And I have a number of clients over the age of 70, over the age of 75. I mean, my father-in-law is going on 82. He's still working. He was just offered a full-time job from this company. No, really? Yeah, and he's working as a contract. And yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) And he does not need to work. So it's in a way- Does it come with a retirement match, a 401k match? (laughs) They were going to have him in the 401k and all that. He's like, I'm going to just give them a number. They're going to say, I can't do it. And I think they were still going to pay him. And he's like, I just, I just don't want to commit to that. But it, we see it more and more. It's nice, actually. Mm-hmm. But the, the people have an, an option. And really, it comes down to your income plan. We'll talk about that. But you mentioned women. I mean, you know, we just talked about life expectancy longer than men. Number two, you're, I'm sure you're familiar with David Bach. You know, mm-hmm. he wrote a book and he said 80% of women die widowed. So we know it's, it's a little more, um, for women, it's, it's just the probability, the statistics say you're going to live longer. The probability is you're going to, um, unfortunately, it's not a fun thing, but your spouse will probably predecease you. And if you think about those things, a social security goes away, a pension can be reduced, you can be in a higher tax bracket. So maybe it becomes a little more of of an issue when we deal with that. Either way, it comes back to creating an income plan. And I think in some cases, and this is where um, it's a little disheartening, It's you really need to understand and have an income plan. In other words, checks that come in no matter what happens in the market. And so making the proper Social Security's decision. Understand your pension and survivor benefits on a pension. These are critical things and things that we can do today that can make a big impact on this. As you were talking about this, I'm thinking to myself, I should have married younger. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Because, I mean, Sam is three years older than me. And I'm like, oh, if I'd married somebody 10 years younger, like my friend Pam did, this might actually work out okay. (laughs) Well. Too late. I'm already 30 plus years in. We're done. I mean, this is it for me. That's but, good. I'm uh, glad to yeah. Hear that. yeah, because, you know, divorce, I think, and senior divorce is another reason that women can get hit later on as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this whole new movement of senior separation, silver separation. I think they're calling it a silver divorce, where, you know, women and men, after 30, 40 years together, like, okay, I'm really it's done crazy. now. And then they separate out, and now you've got two households. You don't have little kids to worry about, but you've got yeah. expenses, you've you know, health expenses, you've got all the retirement stuff. It yeah, can really and, and, cause yeah, a and typically, you know, women are the caretakers for their parents. Women are the ones that may take time off from maternity yeah. and so on. So it's it, again, these things are they're just when we talk about men versus women in this case, yeah, it just so happens the reality is again because of life expectancy and all of these things, it's it's something that you have to be aware of. Yeah, I I really think it's, you know, if you find yourself, if you're a woman and you're listening to us right now, I mean, you really should think through how this all works for you. And and maybe we spend a little bit more time in the next segment talking about that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as you go through each of these things, income planning, estate planning, asset planning, investment planning, tax planning, 
even if you're married, each of you should think about what it would look like if you suddenly were widowed or divorced mm-hmm. and, and how that would all factor out. And, and I just think it's, it's such an important thing to do. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back with some more uh, detail on this and uh, uh, more news, business news of the week. You can also give Tom a call, 630-934-1855. You're listening to This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Welcome back, everybody, to This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Glink here with Tom Fortino. If you'd like to ask us a question, 630-934-1855 or go to alphawealthgroup.com. So, Tom, you know, we were talking last segment about silver divorce Mm -hmm. and seniors and basically how men and women are, you know, looking at the workplace, you know, Mm -hmm. differently. Um, which I think is interesting. And, and what we're seeing already, you know, from that survey we referenced earlier, the Trans America survey, is that 44% of women are already having trouble making ends meet, even in their working years. Mm-hmm. 57% said they lacked the resources to save for retirement. 28% of women expect to rely primarily on Social Security, which my guess is it's probably half of their husbands who will make more. And 81% of women said they're going to keep working for financial reasons. All of which, you know, to me say, wow, if we're really going to face a recession, which is what Google says the top word people are searching for right now is recession, mm-hmm. um, women are going to be hurting maybe even more than men, especially if they're, you know, sort of in the last 10 years or so mm-hmm. before retirement, whatever that is. Yeah. And I guess, I, you know, what do you think about that? This idea that sort of women in the workforce might actually get hit worse in a recession than men. Well, it's the reality of, we were just talking about earlier, at least, where they have a longer life expectancy. Um, the fact that typically they're caretakers for their parents and sometimes they're, you know, they take more time on. All of these things kind of play into it. You know, there was a study that by the uh, Insured Retirement Institute said 48% of couples, one spouse will outlive the other by 10 years or more. So when we take a look at your plan, you mentioned Social Security as an example. Let's just use one of those, right? And I have a client, so I'll give this example. It's, this is exactly what they're doing. The one client is, is a little few years older than his wife. He's retired. Now, he's, gonna, he's still working part-time. They don't need to touch their investment. So he's deferring Social Security until 70, mm-hmm. right? So it means he's not taking it. People say, well, why wouldn't he take it? Well, here's one of the reasons to think about this. He's going to get the highest possible benefit at 70 years of age. It grows by 8% per year, delayed retirement credit. But not only is it a higher amount for the rest of his life, if he passes away, it now becomes a survivor benefit to his wife. So now the wife has that higher benefit for the rest of her life. So it's almost like a joint. So these are things that you can do when you look at your plan to try to protect, to say what happens in the event I predecease my spouse. Well, I've maximized the Social Security benefit or your pension. What is your survivor benefit? Is it 50%? Is it 75%? Is it 100%? We really need to know our numbers. That's another piece of it. And then finally, you can not finally, another idea is do you look at annuities as income? You can create annuities that provide a guaranteed lifetime and, by the way, a joint lifetime income. So do you see where these things, and then, of course, there's potential of having life insurance. These are things that we can do as part of our plan. Again, we've said it before, it's not about growing a pile of money and picking at it. That's part of it, but it's also these other pieces of it, income planning, having an income stream that lasts your lifetime. 
I, we've got actually a question that came in this week about um, how do you convert, you know, $1.7 million, which is going to be what this person's, you know, pot of gold is, right, when they mm-hmm. retire. But And we'll get to that in the next segment. So, you know, yeah. you know if you're listening, stay tuned mm-hmm. for that. But I want to, you know, just go back to this idea that so many women are going to outlive their male spouses because I'm thinking about my mom's circle of friends, and that's exactly what's happened mm-hmm. to them. So she has two friends that she's been friends with for 82 years. They met when they were three years old in, you know, I don't know, preschool <clears throat> or wherever they met. So they've been friends for more than 80 years, and one of them is still married. Her husband's in his 90s. He's in terrific shape. Um, but my mother's been widowed twice, and, the you know, her husband died a long time ago, the second husband. And her friend's husband died, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago as well. And so of the three of them, two have been widowed for more than 10 years mm-hmm. each. And when I look at her larger circle of mahjong and card playing <laughs> friends, <laughs> all of them are either divorced, you know, single for, you know, or they have been married, uh, never married, single, mm-hmm. never married. There are a few of those, or they've been widowed for more than 10 years. And so there, this idea that no, it isn't going to happen to me, uh, you know, I think is a is a really serious thing mm-hmm. you have to take into account. Um, and I know that this idea of planning not just for yourself, but, you know, for your spouse, people think about that a lot, but it's putting it into action. You know, again, there's, sure. you know, this this concern that people have about it. And if you are, what do, what do women do if they are still working, but maybe they're already divorced, right? The divorce rate is pretty high now. Um, how do you think about that for your clients, Tom? Well, again, it really starts with, and you made the comment, action. It's really tough, and I get it. We're busy with life. We're doing things, whether we're raising children or we're around family or we're working all the time. But you really want to take a step back, and I think this uncertainty, of course, we're dealing with in the world today and the market and so on, it's unfortunate that we have any uncertainty in our plan. You really want to take a look and understand you know, where you know, where are the, what's going to happen and take a look at where's my income going to come from. Again, we said it starts with that. It's not just about the investments and that's part of it. But you know, if you're divorced as an example, you can take divorce benefits, believe it or not, divorce spousal benefits based on your spouse's retirements. If you've been married for 10 years and divorced for two, you have benefits off social security benefits. You may hmm. still have pension benefits. And so those are things that you want to understand. So it's really starting with Let's not get organized. I always talk about financial organization. That's really the first step. And then you can start to take action, but really figure out where things are at. Yeah, that's um, it's incredibly important. I think, you know, just because we've been talking about women in the workforce, but the realities, you know, equality being what it is. And by that, I mean, women earn less typically than men do still. Uh, although the younger generations are starting to make some make some ground up, which is great. But if you're a woman in your 40s, 50s, 60s, or 70s, um, you probably have earned less than your male counterpart. And so you're going to already go into retirement at a little bit of a disadvantage. And so then you know, if you're going to end up getting widowed or maybe a silver divorce, then you have to think about how that applies to you as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that planning is incredibly important. I also think it's emotionally really challenging. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. just like when people buy life insurance, right? Mm -hmm. The whole point of life insurance is to think about what happens after you die. Oh, how happy is that thought? (laughs) I got 
just want to think about how I'm going to die from like a heart attack, like my dad, or cancer, or like my mom, or whatever it is. Uh, so I think I think that that's uh, incredibly incredibly important. Mm-hmm. All right, well we're going to take your questions, and I want to encourage everybody to call in if you've got questions for Tom or for me or for the show. You can leave them or call us now at 630-934-1855. You can also go to alphawealthgroup.com, 630-934-1855, or you can go to alphawealthgroup.com. When we come back, we're going to take your questions and uh, chat a little bit more about life and money on This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the second half of This Week in Wealth. If you're just joining us, I'm Elise Gling, CEO of Best Money Moves, my financial wellness company, and I'm here with Tom Fortino, the founder and principal of Alpha Wealth Group. If you've got a question for us, give us a call, 630-934-1855, or you can go to alphawealthgroup.com. So, Tom, there was a question that uh, got left this week on the machine, I understand, uh, from somebody we weren't able to take it on air. But I thought we would talk about this question because it's actually such um, an important thing. And it's it's actually part of what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so the caller said, I retire in 24 months. I'm seeking guidance on converting my assets into an income stream once I'm retired. So he's got two years left to go. What are some options for me? Do you act mm-hmm. as a fiduciary? How do you charge for your time? And my assets at retirement are estimated to be $1.7 million. So this is such a great question because I think many of our listeners have this exact question. First of all, let's explain what a fiduciary is and how you charge for your time, but how fiduciaries um, think about this. Because there's a number of different ways that people who help people with their money can actually charge for that service, right? Yeah, I mean, the the fiduciary standard is, you know, it's governed through the uh, agencies like the SEC. So if you are, as an example, and this is just general information, but if you are act as an investment advisor rep, which I am, but there's a fiduciary standard, which means you are obligated, and I hope anybody, whether you have one or not, I always say, it doesn't mean, you know, you act in the client's best interest. And so that's the standard you're held to. So anything that you do or recommend for them, really needs to be in their best interest. It should be anyway, so no matter what, whatever industry you're in, but that's the fiduciary But not standard. always. <laughs> not always. In every Lawyer, any way of walk Lawyer. of life. And lawyers are fiduciaries as well, aren't they? The people who have yeah. to put your, you know, interests top, the top thing is, you know, your interests as opposed to their own self-interest. Yeah, I mean, that's the concept of acting as a fiduciary. And so, you know, hopefully, as I said, most people who anyone you're is advising you, whether it's a, a an accountant, an attorney or investment person, they're acting as a fiduciary. We hope so. We hope so. <laughs> All right. So that's a fiduciary. Um, yeah. And how does that apply, you know, in terms of deciding how you get paid like how does that does that factor into it at all um because i know that there's a number of different ways that people Mm -hmm. can get paid for what they do sure sure so i mean typically in this industry you know because as i mentioned i'm an investment advisor rep which means we can do and we do active money management for clients and portfolios that's part of what we do as you know if you've listened to the show we do tax planning and we help with taxes and estate planning and everything income planning but you know, if we're managing portfolios, and again, very common in this industry, that's a model 
where you charge a fee. Let's say, as an example, we'll keep it easy, say 1% is the fee to manage someone's portfolio. So it should be very transparent and very simple, at least it is in our case. And that's really how it works. So you know, there's, you know, there's no sales commissions, there's no, you're buying stocks, there's no trading fees. That's really how you want it to work if you're working with someone. And, and that's really helpful also because, um, you know, you know that if you've got a million dollars that are, that is under active management, which would not, by the way, include your house, right? The house. Correct is not something that Tom has to actively manage for you. And if he does, no. he's probably charging more than that. Um, so you're, you're just looking at liquid, what we would call liquid assets, right? Yeah, you want to be aware, too. For anyone that's working with someone, you can get that information from them. At least hopefully you know what it is. So you don't want layered fees that you're unaware of. So, for example, if you're paying someone 1%, and then there's a portfolio that's also that they're using that charges another 1%, you're really getting charged 2%. Those are things we want to be aware of, again, what we own. And these are questions you should ask. Tell me exactly how I'm, what fees I'm paying, because obviously any fee you're paying, you know, net of fees, are you getting value out of that? You really want to be aware of some of these things. Right. And I would say that if you're, you know, if you're being charged 1%, you want to make sure that the returns you're generating are in excess of 1%. <laughs> exactly. Or you're getting some value from it or some service or something that's coming back to you and say, is it worth it? And so that's really where it comes down for the individual and taking a look at, at what makes sense for them. Right. And for some people, it just, you know, this is very common. The less that you have for them to manage, sometimes they charge a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, as you have many more assets, you would be charged typically less. So, for example, mm -hmm. uh, if you have a million dollars, it might be 1%. If you have $10 million, it might be three quarters of a percent or half a percent. If you had $100 million, it would be a little bit less. Um, so there's there is a difference in the amount that you can get charged uh, for that. Now, um, one of the things that people are really concerned about, I know that I've been concerned about buying annuities, which is the other piece of this. Mm -hmm. He's asking about how do you convert assets into an income stream. Um, let's talk a little bit about how annuities get priced mm -hmm. and, and the costs associated and commissions and things like that. Okay. Well, you know, when we talk about annuities, it's, it's, we have to be careful because it's, it, there's a number of different types of annuities. So there's fixed annuities, which are like a CD, which I would say right now, maybe they're not a bad bond alternative. You can get two and three year CDs that are paying over 4%. Just giving you general information, but I'm letting you know, that's not a bad thing. That's a principal protected fixed account. But the other ones that you're trying to use for income, typically the way they work, is and again I I typically use what are called indexed annuities versus variable. Variable annuities are the ones that typically have the higher fees and they're variable, so you don't have principal protection. I'm not a huge fan of those because their mutual funds are what are inside of those. Again, I'm giving general information. As far as the indexed annuities, there typically the investment is in there, it's principal protected, tied to an index, but it also gives you a guaranteed lifetime income stream. And again, typical fees are very low in those. You know, you're talking usually 1% or less for the benefit of having a guaranteed lifetime income, as we talked before, maybe a joint lifetime income. And keep in mind, it's different now. These have evolved quite a bit. You still, in most cases, when we talk about them, you still have an account. So you can invest a certain amount of money in these, get a guaranteed income off them for the rest of your life, and if you're married, your spouses. And to the extent you don't go through that money, it goes to your children and grandchildren 
or you may choose at some point to just take that money. I sometimes call it the walkaway money if you decide to turn the income off. So there's more, many more options to these where they can be used in your plan to create guaranteed lifetime income, but also have an account value associated with it as well. I think it's really helpful to understand that there's these different kinds of annuities. Uh, where mm-hmm. do it, we just have like thirty seconds? But it, maybe what we'll do is we'll we'll come back to this. But when we come back, I want to continue this discussion and ask about immediate annuities because that's okay. you know in addition to fixed, indexed, variable, <laughs> there's a, this immediate yes. annuity that we hear about, and I want to make sure that people understand what sure. that is. And then what I'd love to do, Tom, is take his other <clears throat> question is. You know, his assets in retirement are, let's say, a million seven in this case. I'd love to break that down and explain to people what kind of income, guaranteed income, he might be able to generate with that, okay. um, how you might want to do it. So let's talk sure. about that when we come back. 630-934-1855. You're listening to This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Glink here with Tom Fortino. Uh, so much extra time. It's so awesome. So we're going to keep talking about some of these questions that we've gotten. 630-934-1855. If you'd like to ask us a question or get Tom to call you back, go to alphawealthgroup.com. So, Tom, we were talking last segment about this guy who, who left a, you know, a voicemail message for you, asked a question. Um, he's retiring in two years, 24 months. He's trying to convert assets into an income stream once it's retired, and he's looking for some options. Like, what does that mean, and what kind of income do you think he could generate? He said his estimated income, his estimated assets in retirement will be $1.7 million, mm-hmm. and it feels to me like he probably has has, you know, other income as well. You've got to assume if he's been able to amass Mm $1.7 million that he probably has a decent amount of Social Security coming in. But what does this look like for him? And what kind of guaranteed income could he get from a million seven? Well, the first thing I have to say to this individual is congratulations. You've obviously done a very great job (laughs) saving (laughs) and investing for your retirement. It didn't happen by mistake. So that's, that's one thing I would say. I would applaud this person and commend them for what they've done. So good for them. And the, the but as far as one thing I want to um, make clear is we always have to, to differentiate between assets and income, right? And we talk about having a million dollars or whatever the number is. That's a number. It doesn't give you a guaranteed income. You can look at just this year alone. If you or I should say now <laughs> last year, if you retired in 2022, the S and P was down about 20. percent So that million could technically, just again as an example, could be down to 800 thousand. Then if you have to draw off 40,000, you need from that, that 4% rule, well, maybe you need to draw 50 to net 40 because of taxes, and all of a sudden, one year out, you're down to 750, right? So this is, we can see where it can be problematic. And just, again, give me an example. So what's the difference between an asset and an income? An income comes in no matter what happens in the market, the income streams. We talked about Social Security and pensions. We can talk now about annuities. That works in a similar fashion regardless of what happens in the market. So in an example, let's say this individual was married, had a spouse, and between them they had sixty to 70000 of, of Social Security. That could mm-hmm. be the case. And this is why I say we talked about with women and anyone else, find out your numbers, know your numbers. This is important because it can help with the decisions. You can take a portion of those investments, and again, this is an example, but it is an illustration. If that individual was to take a million dollars or 500,000, I've given this before, and this is based on a couple age 60, 
if they were to put $500,000 into a type of annuity, now again, it's still invested, that doesn't go away, okay? But it's 65, the guaranteed lifetime joint benefit would be over $37,000 a year for the rest of both of their lives. And so then you would still be, have the wait, investments. Wait, let me, let me ask, okay, so is the money still there after that? Yeah. Like, okay, mm-hmm. so the 500000 is there, they just get 37000 a year from it. Right. So let's say it's still invested. Now they may go through it over 25 years or not, but the checks keep coming. That's the difference between these types of accounts and just investing in the market. If you go through that 500, you're not going to continue to get the 37,000 or more. It's a little over 37,000. Again, in this illustration, I'm more than happy to run illustrations for individuals. I'm more than happy to, to offer. We have a report and you've offered these before, at least, but it's called the truth about annuities to learn about these. You deserve to know how they work. They may not be for you, but maybe they are. But this is a way to say, and again, in this example of couple age 60, if between the two of them, they had 70,000 of Social Security and they put this in place on a portion of the investments, another 37,000, they could say with a level of certainty, when we retire at 65, we will have $107,000 of income coming in, regardless of what happens in the market, regardless of our investments. See, so that you're creating these types of things. This is part of planning and income planning, right? So I hope that illustrates All right. how these so, things can work. So out of the million seven, would you, is it smart to plan to take a million of that and, and turn it into guaranteed income? Is it better to do it now when the interest rates are high, uh, higher than they were, you know, a few years ago? Mm-hmm. Like. How do interest rates play into that? Well, actually, with annuities, interest rates help the income streams typically, right? So, yeah, if you were to do that, you know, you can do the math. A million dollars would give you 76000 roughly or more, really, mm-hmm. um, more like 78000 of guaranteed lifetime income on a portion. And so it's kind of a, is one better than the other? It's not, that's not the point. It's what it provides a different benefit. You have no, if I said to call Fidelity on your million dollars and say, what is my guaranteed income off of this? Well, the answer is going to be there isn't one. And I'm, again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm an advisor representative. We do, you know, manage portfolios, but I'm saying as a, far as getting more guarantees and having a lifetime income stream, we talked about life expectancy. We talked about spouses outliving their spouse by 10 years or more based on these. These are things that you can incorporate in your plan that might make sense. All right. So if, uh, let's say that this <clears throat> this guy is uh, got a million seven, he takes a million of it, and that's going to generate this nearly 80,000. And now he still has the 700,000 left just in case, you know, they want to yeah. spend different money, I guess, right? Because Absolutely. maybe together he and his spouse have 70. So now they've got, a let's say, 140,000 in income coming in, in retirement at mm-hmm. age 67 when their full retirement is. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And now it, it, let's just say that that accounts for 80 to 90% of what they spend in a year. And now they've got 700,000 that grows with the market or shrinks, sure. right? Yeah. Um, to be able to say, okay, we're going to just take an extra 30,000 this year and take the kids on a big trip. Sure. Right. And that's a great point, Elise. I mean, now you have this, this piece of your this investment where you want to pull money off to take the family on a trip. You want to go do something, whatever it might be. But that's on, in addition to the, you still have those checks coming in. So if you go to Europe for three months, oh, the paychecks please, are can still... I? <laughs> <laughs> can I? <laughs> for those I of you who want to go, or if you just want to go out west, wherever, you know. For, right. 
the paychecks are still coming into your account regardless. You know, that, that doesn't stop. And the point I was making before we were talking about this, if a spouse passes away, well, what happens? Number one, the annuity keeps paying because it's joint life. And oh, by the way, we talked about the higher Social Security will continue as well. So you know there's going to be a continuation of income still coming in. And this is all part of just planning. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts. That's why I try to simplify it into five of them. But your income plan is certainly a piece of it. You know, one of the things that I think people, we don't stress enough and people don't think about as we talk about how, you know, if, if uh, like your client, you were saying, is going to get the highest amount of Social Security benefit or what have mm-hmm. you, um, but a chunk of that is going to go to pay for Medicare and your Medigap uh, coverage. Mm-hmm. So you may think you've got 70000 coming in, but there are some built-in expenses against that, right? Well, yeah. There's certainly Medicare premiums that can come out of that. Additionally, of course, there's potentially taxes, you know, um, mm-hmm. up to 85% of your Social Security can be taxable. Well, that's why we talk a lot up about to your tax full, Up to your full retirement age, right? Well, that's, there's a difference. No, that's in, in, at any age. The full retirement age is there's that, that's the penalty if you're still working. Okay. But that goes away at full retirement age. Or if you have no earned income, you're not working, there is zero penalty on the Social Security. The penalty is separate from the tax. So there's potential tax on your Social Security at any age when you take it. So we have to be aware of that. That's why when we talk a lot about tax planning, at least, and we say get as much into Roths as possible, Roths are not only tax-free for the rest of your life, they're not used in the calculation for taxable Social Security. So I know this is an extreme, I guess maybe not the best word, but if all or most of your money was in a Roth, you would not only not pay tax on that, you could get all of your Social Security tax-free as well, 100%. Wow. I've seen it. It's, that is, um, <laughs> that's a lot of interesting planning um, that would have mm-hmm. to go into that. And, of course, you do pay the tax when you convert it over into your Roth. Correct. Um, so it's, you are paying some tax. It's not like it's tax-free. It just means that uh, if you bought Apple inside your Roth uh, 30 years ago or whatever, it would be really nice <laughs> okay, yeah. to be able to have that tax <laughs> free. Peter Thiel, remember he bought yeah, like, Oh uh, yeah, we talked about that. Peter mm-hmm. Thiel who put, you know, whatever shares of PayPal, PayPal or, or something, something. Into, a, into a Roth and it, when it was private. Yeah, I think they're trying to, or maybe they did pass mm-hmm. laws to prohibit that going forward, yeah. but you know, whatever. If a billionaire does it, <laughs> sometimes it's good with crypto, maybe not always. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> Well, we hope uh, we hope that answers the question of you know what income could look like on one point seven million dollars of retirement assets, and there are other things that you can do with that as well. Um, and certainly, we're you know we're happy to spend uh, you know an hour chatting about that. Tom is happy to spend even more time. Give him a call six three zero nine three four eighteen fifty five. That phone is all uh, always on, so you can leave a message if nobody's there to answer you live. You can also go to alphawealthgroup.com. Tom, uh, time, our time's up, believe it or not. I know. It goes fast <laughs> no matter what, right? No matter what, no matter how much time we have. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We hope you'll join us again for another edition of This Week in Wealth. And remember that you can listen to past episodes at WGNRadio.com. Thanks so much for listening. Here's to your wealth.